Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you guys today. The bummer is, you know, I come home usually about three times a year, so I get to sit in class and soak it up. And so today I don't, so I'm kind of sad about that. <laughs> um, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just kind of here to share my story. Some of you don't know me. It's been four years since I went to Roatan. And so some of you, this is going to be a repeat, but you've slept in four years, so hopefully, you know, you'll know. Um, you just saw a snapshot of the island we love that God has called us to, and that's Roatan. It's off the coast of Honduras. Um, it's a very interesting culture. If you've studied geography, it's what you call a shatter zone, where there's a bunch of cultures clashing together all at once. It's really not a Latin culture. It's more Caribbean. In, but in the other parts of it, it's very Latin. In the other parts of it, it's very expatriates. You know, lots of Canadians live down there, and people from Italy come. So it's just a really kind of crazy conglomeration of people. Um, but as I was thinking about what to say today, I thought we don't have to allow any experience in our lives to be wasted. God is always empowering us for the next step, the next thing. It could be large or small, but we have to allow him. So part of this is my story, and some of you know that, my story, but I grew up, my parents were Church of God missionaries for 30 years. I went to South Korea when I was 18 months old. I was blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and curly-haired, and I got my hair pulled all the time. Um, then we were in Jamaica for a time. And then in Australia, which some of you know my sister, Rebecca, who is a missionary in Africa. That's a little girl down there in the bottom. So she's a little, um, And so we were in Australia after that. And I learned a lot of things growing up in a, in a um, missionary family that I'm very grateful for. I hate that I'm looking sideways here. Um, my father was a really wise man. And, um, and my mother is a wise woman. And so this is really a tribute to them. And these are lessons I learned from them that, you know, character is who you are when no one's looking. It's just who you are. Um, God doesn't respect persons or cultures. My dad always, always said, you know, Deborah, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so I, that's something that is deeply ingrained in me. And I think that's from living in many different cultures and living in different economic environments. God, you know, allowed me to be a part of that growing up. Decisions. I hated this when I was a teenager. My dad always said this to me. You should make all your decisions on how will this affect my walk with the Lord. The friends you choose, the school you go, you know, everything should be run through that grid. And I didn't listen to him, but he was right. So there you go. Um, effective leaders or servants. I would say my father was a wonderful model of servant leadership. And he was an extremely intelligent man, highly educated, went to a very exclusive seminary, and no one, most people didn't even know that. He wasn't about himself. It was about honoring God and being a servant. And so I'm really grateful for that heritage. Um, and my dad used to say this. It drove me insane. Um, when people would ask him what he did, and he'd always say, it's my privilege and honor to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'd like, Dad, could you just say you're a missionary? <laughs> but he's right. He was exactly right. Um, and so no matter what we do, that's our calling, is to just do what God puts in front of us. And so this is just what I happen to be doing, what God put in front of me. No one is, you know, there's not a status of who's more important in the kingdom. We're all servants of the Most High God. People living in poverty are people. They don't need our pity. They deserve our respect. And we have a different skill set. 
I mean, the people I, my friends that I serve beside, the things they can do, I could never do. You saw the kid with the iguana that they were getting ready for supper that night. And I'm like, mm, I don't think I could catch that and kill it, you know. Um, but I have a different skill set that I can bring. And so we're just a team. Um, I was married to a, a wonderful man that had many problems, and he died from alcoholism. And so through that long journey, recovery has really shaped who I am today, too. And so one thing I learned is to live one day at a time. And living cross-culturally, that's super important. Okay, so that's another gift that God gave me through pain. You know, those were pain, some really painful years in my life. But God didn't waste that. He didn't say, oh, I want you to suffer through an alcoholic marriage for 25 years. But you know what? We grew through that. And he was a suffering man. And it gave me a heart for people that suffer. Um, there before the grace of God go I to have compassion for those who suffer. To learn to set boundaries. And trust me, when you live in another culture, boundaries are super important. And so to set boundaries and be healthy with that. That we all have choices and to let go and let God. So those are lessons I learned. So I came to Crossings about, we were at the other building at Belle Isle, so I don't know, 2007 or 8. I don't know, a long time. No, it was longer ago than that. It was a long time ago. 99. <laughs> it was 99, you're right. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And um, I joined, I was in a Bible study experiencing God, and I just warn you, don't do this study. The first time, <laughs> the first time I did it, we started a Christian school, and the second time I moved to Honduras. So I'm just warning you about that Bible study. And so... In 1999, there was a group of us and, and some very dear people from that are here. You're going to make me cry just looking at you. And I'm a crier, so just don't feel sorry for me. I'm a crier. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Bob and Liz and some of my former students are here today. That is just so cool. And um, we had a little Christian school just outside of Bethany. And for eight years, we didn't charge tuition. Our heart was really for low-income kids. And that was the ministry that we had. And... It was awesome, and I didn't think I'd ever leave it, but God had other plans. What did I learn as I did that? Um, follow God when it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to do what we did. At one point, we as a family were living on $400 a month. You know what? And in that year, it was incredible what happened. My house got paid off. Someone gave me a car. One time, I was at a Bible study here at church, and my daughter and I had a conversation the night before about poverty, and I told her we weren't really poor. We had a roof over our head and bedrooms and running water and all that kind of stuff. And, and um, we prayed because I said, I can make, go work somewhere else and make more money. And the next day, a lady came up to me at a prayer meeting at some of you know, new Maureen Peabody, who is just an awesome influence in my life. And we were at her house praying. And this is an aside, but it's kind of funny. Every time I'd go there, my kids, why do you always go to Maureen's to pray? And Star Wars had just come out. I'm like, you know, it's kind of like going to see Yoda. So, um, <laughs> and so they were, are you going to Yoda's house? And yeah, yeah. And, um, and so we would go there to pray, and a lady came up to me and gave me more than I made in a month. And she said, God told me to do this. And I came home. My kids had the fridge open. I go, oh. Fish sticks again. I'm so tired of fish sticks. <laughs> I said, we're going grocery shopping. And they were so thrilled. And, um, and that story to me is about her obedience and about Sarah's faith and just the family just working together like it's supposed to. And so those are lessons I walked through and learned and that when you're obedient, it's a sweet place to be, and God really does take care of you. Um, 
the nuts and bolts of starting a school, which is what we did, and just honing my administrative and teaching skills, balancing the tension between you know sound business practices, but also walking by faith. It's a really it's a tense place to be sometimes, um, and just to do mainly what God puts in front of you, and the rest will just come into place. And that's really what I've had to learn: just do the next right thing. And so this was a verse that we really clung to at the school, and it's still a verse I walk through, cling to. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed because of my spirit. Though you are few and weak, do not despise a small beginning, for the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begun. So the next chapter. So I'm doing this Experiencing God Bible study. My kids, or my daughter was in college, my son was getting ready to go to college, and Gary and Charlotte had approached me about, you know, maybe doing something in Roatan, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm living debt-free, my kids are grown, grown up, my husband had died at this point, it was just me, uh, I could do anything, you know, I really could do anything, that might be. I never really wanted to go back overseas, I felt like I had done 18 years and that was enough, and... um but the Lord just kept tugging at me and tugging at me. And um, I remember going to talk to them one night, and they came back, and they, Sarah asked me, they want you to go to Roatan, don't they? I said, yeah. I told them I'd pray about it. You know? <laughs> and I, I did. And then the Lord kept really pushing me about, about this. And about this time... We had a little house we've been fixing up, and I remember this is my mom and I had just stripped my floors. My mom is like the master home repair person, and I asked her one time, what am I going to do when you're not around to repair, do my home repairs? Well, I just get the Home Depot book out, Deborah. so she gave me one for Christmas. And so, um, so I remember sitting, sitting in the chair. We'd just redone my floors. It looked beautiful. Sitting there thinking, you know, God, for the first time in my adult life, I really have a nice, comfortable life. And I think he was up there laughing. Yep, and just wait, just wait. And so um, as I was working through this Bible study, this is from Experiencing God. To hear God's call will create a crisis of belief and cause some major adjustment. And I'm like, okay. So I just kept hearing the Lord's voice tugging at me. And I really, as some of you know me, I'm pretty strong-willed. And I was very easily said no. I don't want to do this, God, no. But I'm listening. I'm kind of willing, but no. And, um, and so we, we prayed through it and prayed through it, and the Lord just kept making it pretty clear to me, this is what you're supposed to do. I went on a mission trip to Jamaica. My daughter was doing a semester at Oxford, and I'd saved my money to go see her. I neglected to ask her, should I come see her? And she said, you know, they said, it's a pretty tough academic course. Parents are distraction. You probably shouldn't come. I'm like, oh, great. So I went to Jamaica on a mission trip with my mom with Chartel Church of God, which is where she goes, and we had been in Jamaica. And the Lord really spoke to me while I was there. This is what you're supposed to do. But I did not want to leave my children, particularly my son, because my years in university while my parents were overseas were really the most difficult years of my life. I was at college at Anderson, and my parents were in Australia. Now, this was the 70s, and so it cost $10 a minute to call on the phone. So I talked to him twice a year for 10 minutes. I got to see him once in four years. It was really hard. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this to my kids. I'm not going to do it. And um, the Lord said, um, anyone who loves, I, Janine was here. 
I was in Bible study that night, and this verse came up at, at our small group. And it was, anyone who loves father, mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I've read that verse a million times. I've never seen the son or daughter piece. Pat was there too. I threw my Bible on the ground. I like it. This is not what I want to be hearing, God. This is not what I want to be hearing. And it's like, you know, the safest place for your children is the center of God's will. If I'm in the center of God's will, that's the safest place for my children. And so... I came home that night. I remember sitting up in bed because I was living alone at this time. My kids were both in college. And um, sitting up and saying, okay, God, I'm really willing. I'm not happy, but I'm willing to do this. And so that was the beginning of the journey to Roatan. Another thing that really spoke to me as I was just working through this process, God is not looking for ways to make your life difficult. You don't adjust your life to a concept. You align your life to God. You alter your viewpoint to resemble his ways. After you make the necessary adjustments, he will tell you what to do next to obey him. When you follow him, you will experience him doing something through you that only he can do. And I thought, I'm willing to trust that you are really going to do this. And so that became the adjustments I had to make. Also, as I was saying, this, obedience. You cannot stay where you are and go with God. Obedience is costly to you and to those around you. requires total dependence on God to work through you. And so those were the things that God really challenged me with. So long story, we closed the school I was at, which was really a difficult things to do, merged with another school. I went there and worked for free for a year, and, you know, God took care of me, <laughs> you know. Um, and I still had never been to Roatan. And so finally one day the Shaws flew me down there and we're driving around the island and I remember distinctly Charlotte said, don't you just love this? Isn't it beautiful? I'm like, you know, it's a tropical island. They're all beautiful. You know, I'm not leaving a love, life I love to come live in a beautiful place. I'm leaving it because I'm, I really believe the Lord has called me to come here. But I expected, you know, to hit the ground and like, oh, yes, this is where you're supposed to be. And it wasn't like that, you know. And I was really confused. I'm like, okay, we've closed the school. I've told everyone I'm coming, and I don't really feel like this is, I'm not feeling anything, God. And um, I think I was there about a week, and I was there praying one morning. And um, we were in this area, you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> staying, we've got a great deal, staying these houses up on top there, and I was having devotions. And the Lord just really impressed on me. He said, you know, Deborah, there's so much spiritual darkness here on this island. I just need you to come and live life and shine Jesus. That's all I want you to do. And so I said, okay. And that was when I knew that was where I was supposed to be. And, you know, Roatan is a place of contrast. The bottom house is a home that one of our families in the school lived in until last year when Chartel came and built a new home for them. It was six people living in this shack. The girls came to school with clean clothes every day, smelling lovely, just clean and pressed and sharp. You wouldn't know that's what they lived in. And so that was God telling me, okay, I need you to go. So now we're going to let Sarah tell her story. <laughs> well, I don't know what it sounds like out there. You can hear me? <clears throat> I told my mom on the way here, it's just like having a conversation, but it's a lot harder in a microphone have a conversation. Anyway, a lot of times people ask me if I'm excited to go work with my mom in Roatan, 
And I told her this too. If anyone asks me that again, like the next time I get asked that question, I'm going to be, I don't know what I'm going to do. But it upsets me because I love working with my mom, but that's not the reason I'm going to Roatan. I'm also going there because I feel like it's what the Lord is having me do. And he made it pretty clear that this is what I should be doing. So I was also resistant at the beginning. And I, I guess it's like a family trait. We just need God to like bang things into our heads. But before going to Roatan, I worked here in Oklahoma City at a place called Novo Ministries that did inner city Bible clubs, um, which was really awesome. I loved getting to work with the kids there. I loved getting to work with volunteers and just learn more about what's going on in our city, just serving in a place that I hadn't really thought of serving before. Our family does stuff overseas all of the time. And so it was really cool for me to get involved in the city. And I knew when I left college, like the Lord had impressed on my heart, I want you to do something where you can serve people like, like where this is your job. And so um, I was really blessed. Pam helped connect me with this organization, and I got to work with kids every once in a while, and I got to tell other people about how they could serve in Oklahoma City and kind of just thought, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. And so I did that for two and a half years. And then God also just dropped some other kids in my lap. One day I came home from work, and these kids showed up at my car. We all live in the same neighborhood, and they just talked to me for 30 minutes straight. And after that, they just kept showing up at my house. So we've had Easter parties and Christmas parties, and they ask questions about God and if they can jump on our trampoline and are just really special, sweet kids, and it's been cool to get to invest in their lives. And through working at Novo and working with these kids um, just in Oklahoma City, it's just been like what my mom said, do what the Lord puts in front of you. And so just getting to invest in people's lives unexpectedly um, has been really a cool blessing about being in Oklahoma City. Um, But at this point, still wasn't planning on going to Honduras um, because honestly, like, I didn't want to go because my mom was there and I was kind of prideful. Like, I can't follow my mom around. That's so weird. But... But I was praying about it, and I had visited some, and I had a fun time, and I liked the people there, but again, just had some resistance. So last summer, I went and visited my aunt in Africa, just exploring. At this point, I knew like, I knew I wanted to do something overseas. I didn't know what it would look like. I had visited Roatan, but I really wanted to see what it was like to work in Africa and with unreached people groups, and I thought... I don't make a lot of money working at this nonprofit, but I have family all over the world, so that makes it cheaper. I can just stay with them when I go places. So I spent four months in Africa and just had the best summer ever and learned a lot about what it means to um, just be really humble because you can't speak the language and um, you don't know the culture. And it just, it was a really cool growing experience for me and I seriously prayed and about going to Africa and working with unreached people groups or living in Nairobi or just wherever the Lord would have I just wanted to be really open to what he was saying or even staying in Oklahoma City which is not something I really wanted to do I felt like at this point I wanted to go overseas 
and I really struggled with like, is this just me wanting to do this or is it God? And then I don't remember who said like, it's okay to do stuff that you like. Like you could go overseas. Maybe God put that desire in your heart. It's okay to enjoy what you're doing. So I decided at that point it was okay if I went overseas. So I made the decision to go to Honduras, and in Honduras, they speak Spanish. So I went to language school and um, was just getting super excited about being in Honduras and started (laughs) kind of praying this song called Oceans, um, where it talks about going where your trust is without borders, where basically, like, take me deeper than I've ever been before, God, and I really want to trust you and started really meaning the words I was saying, and crazy things started happening after that. Um, I got really sick in language school. I was also a giant there. I really stood out in Honduras. Um, and learned, um, learned Spanish, but specifically learned how to describe like how sick I was to the people who were taking care of me. <laughs> Every time I came out of the bathroom, they would ask me about what was going on, and it was... Very, very humbling. So um, I went to language school and studied Spanish and just really fell in love with Honduras more and especially learning languages. I realized like in Africa and then even again in language school, like this is a really key component of what I feel like the Lord would have me do in Honduras because as you put yourself out there and as you learn the language of other people or learn their culture and are just willing to be taught by them um, and are willing to be (laughs) laughed at because you said something wrong or, you know, just put yourself out there, you can really build trust and relationships and real friendships. And um, so it was just a really cool growing time for me. And so I'm really excited that I get to be in the school and working in Spanish and English with adults and with kids. Um, They love to do my hair, so that's what some of the kids are doing there. And I like to have it done. It's super relaxing when they're brushing it. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. Um, One thing I had been praying about before going was the fact that I am going to a place where I have my mom, but I don't have a lot of other friends over there, and that's kind of scary. And God has just been blessing me with people like Brittany, um, who are my age and who can um, be my friends and who I feel like, yes, I'm going over there to serve other people and encourage them, but it's been so cool the way that God has put people in my life to serve and encourage me and I just feel really overwhelmed by that blessing. And even recently, I feel like he's been surrounding me with a group of people here um, who are just praying and encouraging me. And it's just been really cool to see God saying, like, yes, I'm taking you where your feet may fail, where you're going in deep water. And it was ironic, like, that this was the metaphor he gave me because I have this horrible fear of drowning. But where you might... You could drown, but I'm not going to let you. And I'm going to put my hand out. I'm going to pull you back up. Um, And so it's just been cool to trust him and see how he's been directing in all of those different areas. One of my favorite things about Roatan is teaching adult English classes. Um, 
I never wanted to be a teacher, but here I am teaching. And we just have so much fun in class, and they are such an encouragement to me. And um, after seeing them do a song called The Banana Song and dancing and going crazy, going bananas, um, we all became like really good close friends. And so now one of the students um, named Mario, every time I see him, he goes, go bananas. And it's just really cool, just fun little gifts like that. Like Rotan is a very special place. And we have people in these classes who are homeless. And then we have lawyers and we have students. And it's just neat to see how God brings so many people together, including us, um, just to work together to, to help build, um, just to build a better place in Rotan, just to be able to help elevate people to a level of living or to a level of education that they're striving for, but also in all of these classes in the school to be able to see that people are seeing Jesus through us. And that's nothing that we're doing. It's just the Lord. And that's been really, really cool. And it's also really pretty. Um, Yeah. So I'm just super excited to get back there. And I know it's where the Lord is going to, is where he is calling me. I remember praying one day, on my porch, and I was just like, God, please just confirm something for me. And it was kind of like he said, I've given you lots of choices. They're all good. Just pick one. Stop stressing over everything, which is really hard for me to do sometimes. And so I said, okay, God, I'm going to go to Roatan. And after that, I got held at gunpoint, and I got really sick. And then just a week ago, like... One of my major supporters kind of dropped out. And so, again, like, be really careful if you start praying those things. Like, yes, God, I want to trust you, whatever you'd have me do. But even in the middle of all of that stuff, I've always had peace. Like, Rotan is where I'm supposed to go. Of course I'm going to go. And God's going to take care of all of that. And so it's really cool to see, like, that he's giving me these opportunities, I guess, to trust him and to grow. And I just feel like, it's just going to be really, really awesome to get to see what he's going to do over there. And um, just a verse that I've used to encourage myself, and um, you might find it encouraging too, is Psalm 16.8. And it is, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And so I know that whatever other crazy things come up, whatever other trials come up, like the Lord is who... I'm pursuing, and that's who my mom is pursuing. And as long as we keep our eyes on him, like, he is going to do amazing things in Roatan. And I just, I'm so glad that I get to serve there and that you all let me share a little bit in this, in this class. So, So we're going to try and fly through this next part, which is what we do. So not to discount, but I realize we're running out of time. We serve, we love, and we live. And that's really what we do. Um, God raised up a school through VBS last year. You guys raised the money for this starter on this school. So we have a little Christian school that is a light in the community. And um, it's an exciting thing to see what God is doing in the lives of these kids. And so uh, this man is... um, 
our parents came to me and said, we want to form a parent association, and we want to raise some money for the school, because all our kids, 95% of them are sponsored by people here in the States. And they said, we want to do our part. And so they have barbecues, they do, I mean, it's just really cool to see the parents saying, yeah, we don't, we're not full of money, but we can do our part too. And they come and clean the school and all these things, but he's a wonderful, godly man, and it's great to have him involved in the school. So this was kindergarten graduation. Yeah, it's a big deal. This is walking down the hill from the school. The other thing we do, which is super important, everyone hears about the school, but we actually have more English students than we do in the school. We have 34 kids in the school. We have probably 60, 70 English students. And so we, a local church, we have English class. Uh, the, our classes all say, we're like a family, and it is. And God is just so integrated into everything we do. God's opened doors back up for me to teach at the police station. This is something to pr pray about. Um, the commissionado, who is the head of all the police for the department, has told my friends that he wants me to come teach him English. And so we'll see. That's a door I'm willing to walk through. So, um, and the firemen for two years have been trying to get me to come teach, and I finally did. So, you know, you can teach English everywhere all day. Um, and it's just a great opportunity. I was in a court case testifying about two weeks ago, and the lawyer there took my card. She goes, oh, you're a resident. Yeah, she goes, why are you in Honduras? I said, because God sent me here. What do you do? I said, I just serve Jesus. That's what I do. And then I was up at the police station that night. Grant teach. She goes, you teach at the police station? Because she was there, because she's a DA. And I go, yeah, you should come to class. So I think she's going to. But, you know, and it's just how God does those things. We have a group of ladies, and Beth Thomas was instrumental in starting this, um, where they sew things to sell it, to cruise passengers, provide some income for them. And so that's a really cool project. What can you do? Number one thing, pray. I can't tell you, pray. Lots of levels of sponsorship, uh, individually, students, um, those are things. There's cards on the tables with information about that. Serve, we have groups that come down and serve. Some of you have come individually and served. It's been fun to have that happen and uh, support us. And I will tell you, it gets lonely. It really does. And that's, we have technology. You know, if you want to email me, and I may not get right back to you, but I read your emails, you know, or Skype, whatever. Um, we really need that support. Thank God for podcasts. I get to be part of this class every week because of iTunes, so I'm grateful for that. You know, and so those are things you can do. And so, Pam. Also, quickly, I had someone that was doing my newsletter. I just found out they can't, so if that's something you'd like to do, let me know. Here. I'm just going to hold this. I'm, I'm Nancy Surrey. I'm not a member of this class, but I'm glad to be here this morning uh, in support of uh, Deborah and Sarah. And as a representative uh, from the Crossings Missionary Care Field Team, which is a group that uh, has been brought together to help Sunday school classes partner with our missionaries. And each one of our missionaries has uh, this kind of support. And your class has been partnered with Deborah. You're called Rope Holders. And uh, it's a real privilege that you have to support Deborah in the ways that she has already mentioned. I've known Deborah since she first came uh, to Belle Isle and have been privileged to go to Roatan with a group of some of these ladies that are here today, too. And uh, just love her and love Sarah. Um, the Rope Holder Program uh, really seeks to be sure that our missionaries know that they're cared for, that they're loved, and that they're not forgotten in these faraway places where God's called them to serve. 
we are all missionaries, as Deborah said, wherever we are, and it's a real privilege that we have to be a partner with those who go from our church. And so uh, as Deborah's rope holders, you really are a vital link in fulfilling God's call to fulfill the Great Commission, to take the gospel, because we do that as we support her. Um, as we do this, and we let her know that, you know, that we're with her, we're in this, we're invested in it, uh, we are asking that the class will bring forth people to be on a team to do that. Liz Loveless, would you, you stand just a minute? Liz has agreed to kind of coordinate this effort for your Sunday school class, and uh, she has known and loved Deborah for a long time. And so we're asking that maybe three or four women will, will join with her and let her know uh, or, you know, let Becky know that you would like to do that. And as uh, the missionary care field team, we're there to help you with ideas and suggestions and resources to uh, be able to invest with her in reaching these people with Jesus' love. So... Um, if you would uh, just consider that, pray about what God's part would have for you, as she has done in her life, um, then you can be a part of this great adventure, too. So thank you. I'm Pam Millington. I'm your missions pastor. And one of the ways that we can support Deborah is through going. And so there have been a number of people that have gone to Roatan already. And if you would just quickly stand up and sit down so that people can see if you've been on a mission trip to Roatan. <laughs> and so we actually have another women's trip planned uh, January 31st through February 7th. It's a great trip. It's a uh, it's very special because it's it's a women's trip, so there's a different level of intimacy than when there's a mixed uh, gender trip. We have the opportunity to help Deborah in the school and also do English classes. The first couple of times I went, or the first time I went, I thought, oh man, English classes, you know, that's kind of doesn't sound like much fun. And, and everybody that goes on the trips when we do our spiritual prep kind of you know, they, they start out for the same way. And then every time I debrief teams, say, what was, you know, what were some of the things that you loved? Well, one of the things that always comes up, we love the English classes. And so you not only get to learn the banana dance, I guess, but you get to learn to be a really mean Uno player in, um, in English. So we hope that you'll do that. It's a very affordable trip. It's an easy trip because we're on the same time zone. We, uh, we go from Oklahoma City to Houston to Roatan. And so I really hope you'll think about joining us on that. We will need you to make a commitment on that pretty soon because we actually start doing spiritual prep for the trip uh, about three months in advance. But on the back table by Tom Webb back there, there are, um, there are, there's information about how to sign up for that. Um, I, when Cliff was talking, you know, my mind doesn't work quite like yours does, but when, when you were, <laughs> yeah, it, it, thank, thankfully, yeah, thankfully, um, but but when he was talking about the uh, Shaws being gone for, uh, you know, as, as their uh, brokers, which actually work on investments, my background is in the healthcare field, and I used to work with an anesthesiologist named Thrill Kill. Now, would you want that guy putting you to sleep? I've always thought, no, I really wouldn't. So, so that's, the, I know, that's kind of where I went with that. It, it, it wasn't really good. 
So the issue is about obedience. The issue is about encouragement. And don't you, after hearing Deborah and Sarah talk, aren't you glad that every person in this room is a part of this ministry? Because what they're doing is an extension of crossings. And so we can be, you know, we're very honored that, that uh, you all are willing to go and put the feet to it. And so we need to do our part and undergirth them. So Cliff, do you want to close us? On your tables, there's little cards. If you want to be on our mailing list or anything, just fill it out, and we'll come around and check those up. And also, there's these little rope holder things that Phyllis made. Are they on the back table, Phyllis? They're sort of all over. So if you're willing to be a rope holder, take it and pray for us. Yes, Beth? Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. How much is it? Um, it's 600 a year as a half sponsorship. So that gets all their school. It's all their uniforms, school supplies, everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, aren't you glad you came today? Let's pray for these guys. Y'all stay right here. Let's hear it here. I, um, I just, uh, I just, I, I'm praying that God will tenderize all our hearts and uh, give us his heart. And it may be in Oklahoma City for you. It may be in your neighborhood. It may be around the block. could be in Rotan. Uh, but I think these are the kind of times that we ask that God would tenderize us. Uh, you know, here's a young lady who went to Oxford and her mom. And here they are just saying, Lord, just do whatever you want to with us. And so we want to pray for them. We need to pray for us, okay? We need to pray for us. Our hearts would be tender that we would support Liz and others as they we become we get more serious about being rope holders as we think about making trips and going there and uh, the opportunities we have to serve and uh, this has grown right out of this place here so it's just uh, an organic kind of thing so let, let's pray for them and for us now lord jesus we pause here our hearts are tenderized as we hear what you have done and continue to do through the hearts of two people who just said, here am I, send me. Maybe even not wanting to go at first, maybe having hesitation. And Lord, help us as we uh, pray for them and as we lift them up and as we uh, encourage them that we might be that rope holder, that one that helps them in the moments as they serve and minister, even in the days now as they find themselves motivated and wanting to be there. We know there will be times of discouragement and darkness. And so we ask that you would tenderize our hearts to remember, to be involved, to support as we can. And Lord, I pray that you will multiply their ministry. I pray that there will be an unusual anointing of the Holy Spirit on their lives and their ministry, and that they will be surprised at what happens as they depend upon you. I pray that you'll tenderize our hearts and cause us to be attentive and aware of how you might want to use us in Oklahoma City or in Oklahoma County or wherever we find ourselves. We remember what Sarah said, just do the next thing in front of you. And so would you tenderize our hearts and our minds and our wills to be used by you. We thank you again, Lord Jesus, that we have the unique privilege of being involved with a way and a ministry that is changing the lives of people that we may never meet, but we can participate in that. Bless Sarah and Deborah. Bless Daniel. Bless this family. May they be a sign of your great grace as they live each day. We pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.